You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast on issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. For our final episode of 2019, I sat down with Sarah Finger, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health. We talked about some of the biggest policies and issues that affected women's health this year, what to expect in 2020, and how to head into an important election year as an informed voter. Today we're doing something a little different, and I am so excited to be sitting down with Sarah Finger from the Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for asking me to join you. I'm so ex- I'm a big fan, and I'm very excited and honored. Thank you. Um, I want to talk to you about policy and how policy can affect women's health. And when I thought about this episode, you were my first choice of guest. So before we get into that, I want to learn a little bit about the Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health. Tell me more about what you do here. Well, I have the best job in the world. Um, For the last 15 years, I have led the Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health, who at the end of the day believes policy should happen with women rather than to them. Easy enough, right? Um, We work every single day to achieve a vision that every single woman at every age and every stage of life in our state is able to reach optimal health, safety, and economic security. And we work to achieve that lofty vision, but important vision, um, by every single day informing, involving, and inspiring individuals and partner organizations to be effective advocates for change, positive change. So that's us in a nutshell. Um, We're really, I I call us a couple different fun names. I I refer to us as, you know, the policy watchdog, the women's health policy watchdog in our state. But recently, with the um, popularity of the term doula, I have self-proclaimed our organization and advocate advocacy doula organization. Your listeners should appreciate that. Tell me what that means. (laughs) (laughs) So just like with a birth doula, someone that is, you know, kind of helping you navigate and advocate for you um, as you you try and go through this challenging process of giving birth, well, in some cases, uh, as someone who's had two children, I know not everyone warms up to the advocacy and policymaking process and can see it as, as sometimes as painful <laughs> as childbirth. And so we recognize that so many people are not given the tools and the assurance and the confidence to be in the kitchen rather than on the menu when it comes to policymaking. And so our job is to really help take the intimidation, um, the unknowns, the discomfort, the disgust away, and, and help more people get off the sidelines and inform key policymaking happening in our state and everywhere. So I can't wait to talk to you about how (laughs) how people can be more involved and learn more about policy and stay more informed. Um, I kind of want to take a look back at 2019, which we're wrapping up right now. So in our state and across the country, there are a lot of, um, I would say, policy trends that uh, affected women's health. What were some of the biggest issues we saw this year? You know, I think the story is a story of inaction. Um, if you want to look at 2019, it's it's one of those gridlock years where there's been a lot of threats. Um, as much as I have been um, on edge and waiting over the last decade for all the different political attacks, legislative attacks on women's health, safety, and economic security. What has been my greatest reflection in 2019 is the inaction by those in charge of our state legislature here in Wisconsin to pick up any of the positive, proven, evidence-based policies that could actually improve the health and lives of women and girls. And so 2019, we've seen 
a change in Wisconsin where we have a new governor, a new administration, and organizations like ours were trying to find the silver lining where we know we have a legislative majority who is is not apt to advance some of these policies, these proactive policies that we um, have been promoting. Um, and and watching the governor, you know, kind of limited in what he can do to really advance women's health and well-being on his side. And so we're just watching bill after bill that can actually improve the health and lives of women and girls be buried by the majority in our state legislature right now. And the series of bills that are all just waiting to be advanced and we know can make the difference in the health and lives of women and girls um, are just being ignored. And we're talking bills like paid family medical leave, bills like the, uh, the right and the dignity to breastfeed at work, um, Medicaid expansion, expanding postpartum Medicaid coverage up to 12 months after someone gives birth. Um, what is it right now, can I ask? Only 60 days. So right now, the, the rules in Wisconsin say that a woman or individual who has just given birth um, only is given the Medicaid coverage for that 60-day postpartum window. Well, as again, someone who's given birth, you don't just heal up and everything's hunky-dory after three months. Um, this is something, or actually two months, this is something that can last up to a year postpartum. And so we really want to extend that coverage of critical health care services for someone, again, who is at such an important time in their own recovery and then you know needing to be as healthy as possible for that newborn in their lives. Um, there's another bill that's just sitting there uh, that would prohibit the shackling of pregnant women in our prisons in Wisconsin. So a bill that basically says um, all the experts know that shackling and restraining a woman in labor, let alone in pregnancy while incarcerated, is not good for that mother or for that child. And so this is another bill that's just sitting there. And so this is the tale of 2019, is a tale of missed opportunities. So looking ahead then to 2020, what do you, do you have a sense of what to expect next year for women's health and for policy? I have to believe in my heart of hearts that 2016 happened for a reason. Um, a lot of us, you know, can pick apart how we got to where we got in 2016. But nobody could have manufactured that kind of level of awakening and engagement that women across the country um, were motivated uh, to, to achieve. Um, I've not seen anything like this in my 15 years where we have this many people kind of being drawn to those advocacy waters as treacherous as they are right now. So in 2020, I just I have to believe that for the last few years, um, individuals who have never been so informed, so involved, and so inspired um, have made a commitment to be heard at the polls. And there's not just one big election in 2020. There's four different elections in Wisconsin that start in February and go through November um, that offer opportunities for Wisconsin women to be heard uh, and help help hold accountable or help to support those individuals, those candidates who have made a commitment to not playing politics with women's health and who have made a commitment um, to helping those evidence-based, proactive, positive policies see the light of day in Wisconsin. 
So as I'm getting ready in 2020 to vote in all of these important elections, how do I look at candidates? How do I, I guess, how do I decide as a voter what my key issues are, what are really important to me? And then how do I look at candidates and figure out, um, you know, wading through whatever policies they've put up on their websites or however they talk about things? How do I really understand where they sit, what they believe, and the things that are important to me. You know, I think that question you're asking is one of the greatest barriers to people showing up to the polls. There's that level of, if I'm not an expert on everyone on the ballot, should I really be voting? And um, I I completely understand that concern, and I respect that. But for so many different barriers we know exist that keep women from getting to the polls, there are amazing resources and organizations out there helping to help navigate to, to be that voting doula for you. Um, you know, our campaign that we lead um, for all organizations in the state who want to get women's voices heard in every election, our campaign is called Women Vote Wisconsin Wins. And that website, asklearnvote.org, is a really great resource where everything you need from figuring out what your IDs are needed to vote to early voting to previewing your ballot and seeing who is on your ballot for all four of the elections next year, the key dates for getting an absentee ballot, all of that is available um, on our website, asklearnvote.org, because we know it's hard to keep track of everything. And I would say the League of Women Voters and their 411.org uh, website is another really powerful resource. Um, you know, I'm going to step back for a second and say we estimate that less than 7% of people in Wisconsin can identify who their state legislators are. But it's not that big of a surprise, right? Um, all of our attention is drawn to our nation's capital. And it's so important that we draw people's attention back to the state. I would say the greatest damage done to women's health, economic security, and safety um, has been done in the states over the last decade. And obviously, much to um, the, uh, whatever I'm trying to say, much to the fact that most people don't know who their state legislators are, so they don't know who they are and what they're doing on their behalf. So if you don't know who your state legislator is, you're not going to necessarily know the votes they're taking or the votes they're not taking or the bills they're not sponsoring that would make or break a day in your life. And so organizations like ours, League of Women Voters, we may not be that organization that can tell you who to vote for. We're not endorsing candidates. That's not our job. Um, our job is to break down the barriers to the information and resources you need to make an informed choice. Um, but... First things first is preview that ballot, know who your state legislators are. The website we run actually shows for all 33 Senate districts in the state of Wisconsin, we show the voting record of each and every legislator that has served in this last legislative session. So we're able to take inventory of the bills supported, sponsored, advanced, voted on, and so a voter in Wisconsin can go to our website, look up their Senate district, go in and find their senator and their assembly representative, and go down the list and see what did they think and do about the Wisconsin Well Woman Program, or shackling of pregnant women, or meeting the full promise of the Affordable Care Act, or helping to increase access to birth control. So you mentioned, you know, if you 
don't feel like a total expert on all the candidates. Um, sometimes people might feel like, well, then I shouldn't, if I, if I don't have a strong opinion, I shouldn't vote or use that opinion. Um, do you have a sense of how many women in Wisconsin do or do not vote in given elections? So I don't think we've ever had a higher turnout rate for Wisconsin women than over like 72, 73%. Um, I believe in the 2018 midterm election, we had a 64% turnout of women. So for Wisconsin women who could vote, 64% did vote. And there's a higher level of those that register, but it's the turnout, right? So the people that actually get counted at the polls, 64%. Now, some people might think, well, that's, that's pretty good. That's, you know, over a, a halfway. Um, but I just think about how many then women are not being heard at the polls. Um, and the truth is we shouldn't shame those individuals who maybe didn't show up in 2018 or 2016 or any previous year. There are so many reasons why people don't get to the polls, whether it's, I mean, one of the biggest reasons we saw was that women self-reported that they found themselves taking care of themselves or a sick family member the day of elections. Um, so there's legitimate reasons why people are not necessarily making it to election day. And that's why it's so important that organizations like ours are helping to, to promote all the other timelines we have to be voting early um, through absentee ballot or in-person early voting um, at a city clerk's office because you never know what's going to happen on election day. Um, we know women are caretakers. We know women are juggling a lot. Um, and so we have to do whatever we can this next election year to make sure we take away any of the barriers that prohibit women from being heard at the polls. I know that you just launched your own podcast, um, Wide Awake in Wisconsin. So thank you for being on the other side of the mic at least one more time for us. I really appreciate you being here. Um, what are you hoping that listeners will take away from your podcast? Well, I was inspired by you all. Um, I think every day we struggle to figure out how to connect the information and opportunities to everyday women in Wisconsin. Everyone's incredibly busy. It's hard to navigate all the news and spin and um, getting kind of clear through the clutter of all the national debate right now. So we looked at an opportunity to do a monthly podcast series from November 2019 to November 2020 as really a countdown to the big election next year. So we decided to launch this podcast series, Wide Awake in Wisconsin, to offer a succinct, informative, and empowering set of information that every Wisconsin voter or anyone even outside of the state who cares about state-level policymaking could get this a handle on what is happening in the state of Wisconsin around women's health policy. And so every episode, every monthly episode of Wide Awake in Wisconsin features three segments. The first segment is what we refer to as a peek at policy. And we take three policies and spend just a couple minutes giving an introduction of peek at three important issues impacting women's well-being in the state. And then the second segment is what we call a closer look. And so the first episode of Wide Awake in Wisconsin featured um, an amazing birth worker, Tamara, who gave us an insight about what it looks like inside our prisons in Wisconsin around shackling and restraining pregnant women. 
the third segment of every episode features a focus forward. So we don't just want to depress you and frustrate you and give you three bad policies or three policies that are frustrating us, a closer look at an issue that's really damaging women's well-being. We want to then give the tools so that our listeners know that right here, right now, there is something to be done. And we're really proud of our format because it, it, it stays really true to our mission that every single day we're educating, we're engaging, and we're empowering people. And we're really proud of this new podcast series that... Uh, hopefully in a somewhat pleasant way, <laughs> we are giving this kind of tools and information to people that we would normally not reach outside of the podcast realm. Something I really appreciated about the first episode was um, sometimes I feel like it can be hard to get our heads around, you know, this policy is enacted, right? But how does it actually look in our daily lives? How important is it to you that in those discussions, you're making connections so that people who are listening can really understand these policies might seem like they're big and they're only happening in the Capitol in Madison, but here's how they actually do filter out into your lives. That's what I would consider the greatest success in my work is to help relate and connect listeners and individuals to the true impact of these policies. It's not abstract. You know, these, these policies that, again, are so widely unknown because so few of us know who our state legislators are and are tracking what's happening inside the Capitol Dome in Madison, I really take pride in helping individuals understand the, the breadth and depth of attacks and opportunities around women's well-being through the policy arena. And so if our podcast series can help give listeners like you a little bit more appreciation of the power of these policy proposals and maybe inspire you and motivate you to get in that kitchen somehow, right, instead of on the menu and to take advantage of the menu of ways we have to make a difference. That's just that many more people who are informing and holding the policymaking process accountable. So we're heading into 2020. We've got many, many votes mm many, many candidates to look at to kind of figure out where our best matches are, where our values lie. Do you have three tips or key takeaways for people who want to stay informed about women's health policies and kind of feel ready for all of the decision-making that we have to do in the next year? There's so much to keep track of right now. I really recommend individuals who are passionate about women's health policy at all levels to connect to the Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health. Um, our home base online is supportwomenshealth.org, and you can find all of our social media outlets there. Subscribe to our newsletters. Get connected to us. Plan to come to our annual Women's Health Advocacy Summit on March 9th in Madison in 2020. Um, we're here for you, and we know it's hard to keep on top of everything, so let us do that work for you. Let us be the ones to raise the red flags and let you know, you know, when is a good time to engage and to speak out. Um, and that, that's exactly what we're so honored to do every single day. Um, I would also say don't take for granted that those individuals who are on the ballot and who are looking for a job, right? Like it's like a job interview. So anybody who's running for office is basically trying to convince you that they can, they can be the best person for the job. And don't take for granted you think you know their opinion about things. 
I would uh, go back to 2010, and I think in Wisconsin, nobody would have expected that state assembly person in Waukesha who goes to church with them every Sunday would take advantage of the opportunity and repeal equal pay protections, one of the first things they do. Or that someone in Wausau, Wisconsin, their their person they see you know, out at their kid's soccer game, that legislator would have been the ones to repeal the Healthy Youth Act that says if you're going to teach human growth and development, it should be medically accurate, evidence-based, age-appropriate. Hmm. Like These are things Wisconsinites take for, for granted, is that we have actually taken a lot of steps backwards in Wisconsin over the last decade. And recognizing that less than 7% of people knowing who their state legislators are, it's just gone without notice in Wisconsin. And so if you're out and you see someone who's trying to be hired for a job or rehired for a job, don't be afraid to ask them, you know, do you support birth control? Do you support my conscience as a healthcare professional to um, offer medically accurate evidence-based information? Uh, do you support making sure that we're not um, threatening the health and well-being of an incarcerated mother and, and baby? These are questions we have the right to know the answers to. And Maybe you don't show up to a candidate forum, maybe, but follow them on social media. Go to asklearnvote.gov, find out who is running and going to be on your ballot, and then follow those candidates on social media, and don't be afraid to pose the question. We deserve to know. We've talked a lot about um, policy challenges to uh, women's health and economic security have there been any policy victories in the last couple of years that we can look at and, and see something that's happened that's affected real change in people's lives? While we have not seen success per se in the policy arena, and we've seen a little bit of success in the courts being a checks and balance for some of these extreme legislative initiatives, I do have to recognize the amazing rise of the woman's voice in America over the last couple years. That's an amazing success story. And I think not only are we um, carving out the space for women to be heard in these policy debates, but we're also creating a, a, an appreciation for the disparities that have existed in women's health and the importance of centering the voices of those most impacted by the health inequities and disparities in our, in our country, in our state. And so I'm pleased and celebrating the, the rise of the, the woman, um, the, the mass movement of women from off the sidelines as a spectator of democracy to an active player in this realm. And again, the, the, the honoring of the voices of those who have been missing in the women's health policy debate for so long and the priority to center those voices impacted the most. I've been speaking with Sarah Finger, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health and host of the new Wide Awake in Wisconsin podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so grateful for this opportunity. We'll be back in 2020 with Dr. Laurel Rice, chair of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. She'll join us for a conversation about trends in birth control access and why she thinks it's important that OBGYN physicians help advocate for better contraceptive coverage. 
The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing, rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what women's health issues you'd like to learn about. Thanks for listening.